We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into today's show. As you guys know, I'm continuing to search through you know, the problems, what the answers are for some of the problems the Browns are having leading into the bye week, the vibe around overreaction versus the proper reaction, the proper levels of panic, concern, etc. So I think that uh, as many opinions as we can get on that, including uh, our guest today, Pete Smith, who I think does a really nice job in this show, in this interview, talking through a lot of the talking points you've heard from me, uh, that, that's how we solve what we're expecting out of the Browns coming out of the bye week. And and I think this show is really good for that stuff. And that'll be the focal point of what we're doing in the coming days on the OBR film breakdown is looking at those things and try to talk about how they get out of the ruts they're in, what they do moving forward and the vibe you have coming out of the bye week. So good show here with Pete. Hope you guys appreciate it. Let's get started on the latest OBR film breakdown. All right, guys, welcome into today's show. It's your Friday show. I hope this podcast finds you well. Uh, Joined by Pete Smith here. I wanted to get with Pete. Usually try to get with him a couple times throughout the season to uh, gather his opinion, state of the franchise, where he thinks things are. And I think it's, you know, the bye week coincides with the quarter mark. So anytime we can steal some of Pete's time, always appreciative. So, Pete, how are you, man? I'm doing all right. Good, good. Fascinated to hear your opinion. I I think they're two and two. Uh, You know, I, I... don't think it's any secret. Andrew Barry laid it out pretty well. There's some good, there's some bad. Kevin kind of had echoed some of the same sentiments. And, you know, what Andrew Barry hit on heavily is the turnover realm of things here. I think if the turnover stuff was better, you're probably sitting three and one, but they're two and two coming out of this thing. You can, you can be panicked going into the bye week. And I think there's elements of this offense that will make you panic. Obviously, the defense is getting a little bit isolated uh, because three out of four weeks were exceptional. Uh, but I think when you look at this offense, there is a large contingency, Pete, of people who will tell you uh, that they're fine, that this was driven by a backup quarterback. He's your most re- recent memory, and it was going to be ugly no matter what. And that's creating, inciting, whatever you want to use, um, some panic that doesn't necessarily need to be there. And then there's some people like, I, I mean, I think I'm sort of uh, one of the more outspoken, uh, outspoken people on this, where my thought is, There are some core issues that they have to fix in order to get to the next level that I don't think the status quo is going to uh, get the outcome that they're hoping for here. Even though you you plug Deshaun Watson back in, 
it's obviously going to be better than DTR, but in my opinion, there's some core elements of this thing that have to change. So I am curious your thoughts on, on sort of the, I'm not asking you to recap the offense for you through the start of the season or for us through the start of the season, but I am looking for what you think looking forward needs to change, or you could be of a different opinion and think the status quo is just fine. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm trying to gather some different opinions on this. So enlighten us with where you think they are after four games offensively. And uh, off of that, you can kind of dovetail into whether you think that there's some alterations that need to be made. Uh, I would say that, the issues I see on offense were evident in the Titans game as much as they were in the Ravens game. I think those two games, the same issues were there throughout. The difference is that one had Deshaun Watson playing quarterback and they were able to pick apart a mediocre pass defense. And then against the the Ravens, they had a rookie quarterback in his first ever start um, against a very, very good defensive coordinator. Um, so what do I see? Uh the biggest issue they have to correct is finding a way to run the ball. Um, I think it's insulting to everyone's intelligence to just say, why didn't you run the ball more? Um, because there's clearly reasons why they don't. Uh, they are yeah. not winning the battle up front um, right now. The, the, the anchor point of the line is supposed to be the guards in the center. It's not there. They can pass block fine. Um, and even there you can see some issues, but they are not run blocking. Well, Um and that has to change if they're going to be successful. And yes, um, Nick Chubb makes your guys look better. There's no getting around that. But I also think they're just not playing well relative to their own ability. Uh, even when they had Nick Chubb, there were things that were not going particularly well on that front. Now, part of that is schematics and strategy. Uh, um, I don't think this is an outside zone team. Um, uh, the second Jack Conklin went down, I think outside zone went with it. And I think Chubb's part of that. I don't, I, I, there are things I really like about Jerome Ford. Um, I don't think that's his game. I don't see a ton of vision at this point. It doesn't mean he can't see. I just don't see a lot that works. And you can say that you can point to, Oh, look at the Steelers game, two broken plays that he managed to make work. And, and he deserves all the credit for that, but that's not an offense. Yeah, that is two broken plays that you were able to make what what like a combined eighty yards on, but other than that, it's been pretty awful. Um, and I I don't blame him alone. It's just I think they have to do things that are going to fit his skill set, and they're going to fit the line skill set. Now, I will defend Kevin Stefanski a little bit in the fact that when nothing's working, it's hard to sort of say, well, we're going to do this over and over and over again, and say, well, this is who we're going to be. But I think Deshaun Watson, uh, with him in the lineup against the Titans, and, and, and even if he was able to play against the Ravens, I think in some ways the Browns were living a little bit of a lie on the offensive side of the ball and basically hoping that Deshaun Watson and the and the passing games could sort of cover enough that they would uh, be able to work their way into getting a running game. Um, without that, and now being in the bye week, I think the much in the way I think Deshaun Watson did after the Steelers game, I think the Browns coaching staff and just the offense in general had to take a long look in the mirror and, and ask some tough questions, which are not tough because they're the Browns and they're two and two, but because they are every football team on the planet. And you're going to have to ask yourself these questions at, at times. This is the best time to ask those questions. Like, what do we do well? What don't we do well? And then figuring out how to get better at one and stop doing the other. Um, and that's 
that's not a uh, limited to the Browns by any stretch. Let me ask you this. Let me interject real quick. So, you know, obviously you coach ball. I've got some history of coaching ball as well. I watch these guys, Pete. They don't do it at a very high volume, but you and I, I think we've crossed paths on this belief, but this inside zone stuff, you know, I, it's not a secret, right? Inside zone is everywhere. It's in middle schools. It's in high schools. It's some of the stuff that they're teaching at the lower levels. It obviously is a huge part of what the college game is, and it has matriculated quite heavily into the NFL, right? It's not It's not a secret. The stuff's been done from under center. There's variations of it that look similar. You'll always see the question online, is this duo or is this inside zone? It's been around since teams were under the gun, like, it's not new, but the wrinkle of it in the gun is new and the things that you can do off of it, the RPO game, the zone read or power read, you can do various different things from it off the gun. But as a core baseline concept, there are teams that use inside zone or some flavor flavor of it. They'll call it tight zone, mid zone, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think it's a very simplistic double team climb concept that is a really good baseline concept that the Browns could be using. I saw it in the early preseason. I thought it would become a bigger staple of who they are. It's not who they are right now. This this buy situation allows them to maybe self-scout, identify, rectify, where I think the running backs tightening up their vision, it's a better angle for them to use. Um, you know, and, and I think good teams are using this for the most part. The Chiefs use it. Uh, I think that's a staple of what they do. I think it's a staple of what Indy and the Sirianni Steichen tree are doing. It is it is across the league a, poor, a part of what some teams do. It's not a part of what every team does. But I think there's a, a value added here, Pete, where the RPO stuff that can go off of that and just a simplified gun run north-south, let's try to accentuate the positive of our guard-center guard situation, of our running back situation, like – to me, that's it's very black and white. And um, what I'm looking for from you is, do you see that the same way? And if we see that the same way, is there a reason Kevin and company wouldn't see the same way off of that? Because you're talking about changing this this structure of their run game, which I agree that the outside zone stuff and the three course concept off outside zone, the bounce, bang, and bend concept, those are trickier on running backs. And you know, I know that Kevin can be a little dogmatic. I don't think that's a secret to tie to his ways of thinking that are tied to the Kubiak tree and how he was brought up in offense in the NFL. But I get <laughs> this is a long question, but I'm getting at here is like, why wouldn't they do this? Because it just to me seems like such a simple thing. And again, I'm looking for opinions outside of myself. And I talk with Andrew Spade a lot and, and I'm always looking to see where I'm missing something, but it, it really very much in the self scout phase of the quarter pole season here is sitting right in front of them to use and then use more play action out of the gun to sort of branch off of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I certainly like inside zone and I like split zone uh, being able to sort of cut off a backside uh, penetration uh, is is certainly valuable, and they have the guys to do that. Um, I really like it in terms of the RPO game. Inside zone and split zone are very easy ways to create RPOs and play actions um, to give your guy, your, your quarterback, especially on the rollout, uh, that split zone stuff's an easy uh, sort of quick dump off to whoever that that uh, wham or chip, or how, however you want to phrase that guy coming coming across, can sneak out and give you a quick little dump off, which is an easy way to gain yardage. And there's certain teams that don't cover the flat. Well, personally, I think that would have been the way to go against the Steelers in a lot of ways, a, a, an easy way to sort of attack uh, their defensive end, you know, the outside linebacker rush guys. I think that's something that they can do that helps the tackles 
which are obviously the weakness. Um, I, I like inside zone because um, I'm not asking Dewan Jones to, you know, pick up guys on the move. He's a mobile bookcase. He's not built to sort of make quick adjustments and pick up guys um, on the move. And I think if you're doing some of that stuff where he and Wyatt Teller can get a double team, and obviously some of this is predicated on, on Dewan Jones being able to get up the ball quick enough, they should be two big, strong guys that can get 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 movement. Joe Batonio and uh, Ethan Postick, hopefully healthy, are two big guys can get that can get movement off the ball. And I do think it does help Jedrick Wills. Um, I can't help but wonder if part of the proce- thought process with sort of, in addition to just being like, we got to try something. You get into that. I mean, you get into that aspect of a game where you're just like, we got to, we got to do something here. Um, I do, I do wonder if they stuck to the outside zone more because that was sort of what he was accustomed to doing so much. Um, even though I, I, I think he's much better at doing some gap stuff in the same way. I think Dewan Jones is better built for gap stuff. Like the easiest thing for Dewan Jones to do effectively in my view would be down block. I mean, look at him. Um, but uh, the other question I have is how much did Dewan Jones being thrust into the starting lineup sh- sort of slow their evolution? And that's not a knock against Dewan Jones. It's he's a rookie in a very difficult spot. And did they do certain things to try to, to, to play to his comfort zone to think they think he can do. Whereas perhaps this bye week now gives you a little bit of time to sort of figure that out. Does Jerome Ford need that time? You know, you get you you have to remember he missed all that time with the hamstring injury, and you like look at it and you go, uh, he, he's fine, he's he's running back and missed the hamstring. But for him, that was a lot of I think crucial reps that he missed out on. Uh, they could have sort of helped them get to where they need to go. And I, again, I hope the bye week sort of allows them to take the time and do some of those things. I I I, I will never assume that you and I are seeing something that they, the, this coaching staff doesn't because they are very smart. They are very good. Um, is it possible that they were too entrenched in what they've had success with in the past? Sure. It happens, but you know, and if they don't start um, making that pivot, then you have real questions, but overall, I think they just need to play with confidence up front. And I do think, the part of their problem, and I think this is a, an issue on offense overall, is guys are trying to do too much. Um, I, I think there are a lot of players they're trying to desperately aren't just focusing on doing their job. They're trying, they're they're overthinking and trying to do the guy next to them's job, and that gets you into a lot of trouble very quickly. I think because they haven't had the success that they believe they should coming out, that guys are pressing a little bit, trying to do too much. I think a deep breath is important. I think just trying to get back to executing certain things and it it may involve just narrowing down the playbook to a a few concepts and just saying we're going to do these very very well and we're going to come up with a few answers to what teams are ultimately going to do these things I, i i think the four games of tape are valuable to sort of not only evaluate what the browns are doing and saying what we need to get into but seeing what team how teams are going to play them and and to get answers uh and counter punches to those elements are critical. Uh, but yes, in so many ways, I think inside zone, split zone is very helpful. I think the RPO game 
is very helpful in 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 numerous numerous ways. One, I don't want to see Deshaun Watson taking a ton of cue counters, and it's not to criticize that play. They, they yeah. it, it, it's a read play. He made the right read. It just that was a you know it happens type play uh, where he takes a shot, and a guy who's been super durable takes a, takes a takes a shot. Uh, we get in this weird situation. All of a sudden, we don't want to you know use that. I, I do think that's a mistake, but I do think the RPO game does allow him to sort of be able to pick spots that are more beneficial and making reads that are better for him. And I do think that as an extension to that, instead of just handing the ball to Elijah Moore, you get a read that says, no, Elijah Moore is open here. Now let's get him the ball and get him in a productive spot. Because I, I, if he's going to run backwards 20 yards, it's going to be pretty, it won't be long before they stop giving him the ball. But I do think that he's a valuable piece in this offense uh, and if they can get him the ball in space, you know, where the, the read is already determined that he's going to be open is going to be good. And that, and, and that there's, there's undoubtedly a piece of that. That's just the Sean uh, by virtue of Nick Chubb's injury, by virtue of Jack Conklin's injury and the situation they are in, the offense goes as far as Watson takes them. And you look at things in the Steelers game and they tried to do some of these elements and he wasn't pulling the trigger. Um, and he wasn't making the right reads. And there may be a comfort element where potentially in the game plan leading up to uh, a couple of these games where Deshaun's just being like, I'm not there yet, or I don't like this, or I like these other things better. That's another part. And in continuing to evolve uh, with him, obviously these are things he's had a lot of success with in Houston. I would like to think he's sitting there going, yes, this is in my wheelhouse, but you never know with where he's at and what he wants to do. So branching off of that, a couple questions about the passing game now. Um, pretty simple questions. You 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 made a point about uh, chasing big plays. I've kind of been on record saying at times it feels like Deshaun Watson wants to earn his reputation back with one throw, and this carried into to Dorian Thompson Robinson start. The Browns have only created uh, seven plays of twenty yards through the air this season. That's uh, the second fewest in the NFL. Only the Bengals four is worse than that yet. They have the ninth highest deep passing percentage. So that to me tells me they're chasing some of those. Seems like a relatively easy fix to be targeting the middle of the field at 10 to 19 intermediate range a bit more. Tell me if you think that's the case, because when you watch the film, I'm seeing opportunities there. Feels like they're trying to hit home run balls. Would you keep, do you prefer them to keep the volume up, keep chasing that? Uh, as, as an organization that has tried to hit some of these big plays and hasn't found answers, or do you think it's a re the bye week here is a retread of that thought process where you say, here are eight to 10 examples of shots we've thrown 30, 40, 50 yards downfield with answers underneath it. And we need to be pursuing that because you want to make sure you're still aggressive, right? But you also want to be able to take the take the profit as they say. And I wonder if there's a little bit of uh retread going on there where they have to rethink some of that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is it weird that I think the best balance of their passing game was against the Bengals in that horrible weather. They yep. took a couple shots to like keep them honest, but they were really good about finding open opportunities and sort of in the middle of the field and sort of in that outside the numbers, but like not really to the, to the boundary element of the field. And the problem was just that, he was throwing a giant cinder block and it wasn't getting where it was supposed to, but like the plays were there and they took those shots to Marquise Goodwin. You're like, yeah, it, it didn't work, but they're going to hit one of these eventually. And it just, 
it, it, it felt like that was their best balance of those things. Now, I do think part of this, part of the reason they're taking some of these shots is they're desperately trying to get the defense to move back. They're desperately trying to create some more breathing room on the line of scrimmage and do some of those things. But to your point, if you're not hitting those plays, they don't care. Maybe they move back a little bit, but ultimately they're probably still going to be aggressive and just say, no, we're just going to get to the quarterback faster because that's our best defense against you trying to throw deep. So I do think they they need to be better about taking shots over the middle of the field. I do think they need to be better about utilizing guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones, where he's that's where he's been really good, David Njoku certainly, um, and uh, Elijah Moore and some of those underneath things where he can create. I think, the, you know, I think there has been a lot of criticism of the skill players on this team. And some of it's fair. I, I thought their spacing against the Ravens was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, you've got guys who can attack. You've got a group of players that can attack every level of the field, and you're not there yet. Now, some of that's just time um, and figuring it out, and I think they, they can get there. But there's not a game that's gone by, whether it was Watson or DTR, where you're sitting there going, there are throws here. And as much as we can criticize, and I think the, the coaching staff deserves criticism for their game plan against the Ravens, there's no shortage of players you're sitting there going it he the he's just got to throw this he's got to hit this pass it's open mm-hmm. um and that's that's sort of an issue but the thing what's funny about all this is like it's a plague across the league right now there are so many teams right that that are they're having these all these same issues so it's very easy to get trapped in this hole and say oh man what was us nobody's dealing with these things but i can't I, I'm watching every game. In fact, the, the, we're recording this on Thursday, and I'm more than ready to watch a Bears offense shru- make the Browns offense look like advanced relative to where they are now. So um, it's just, you know, other than unless you're the Dolphins or, the, or some of these other teams that have, have, have come out to hot starts, everybody seems to be dealing with this. And I think it's a little bit of a natural growing pains and just a weird year for a massive defensive resurgence across the league. Yeah, I think the more we get away from contact practices, the volume keeps trickling down, preseason games getting de-emphasized. We're probably looking at a quarter pool of reactions about offense that are similar to this podcast around the league. But I think it's always fair to check in, do health checks, and talk through some of these things. Two more things on uh, offense before real we Real quick with that, though. Like, yeah. How many years has Bill Belichick just used the first four games as his own preseason? I mean, Exactly. Right. I, I, I And I don't want to assume that that's what Kevin Stefanski is doing, but I think that's just sort of how the NFL operates, which is – where this bye week is sort of a blessing and a curse. I I do think there's some element of using these first four games as a feeling out process. And ultimately we're going to evaluate Kevin Stefanski, not necessarily. I mean, obviously everybody's going to be screaming playoffs or bust and all that. Realistically, if Kevin Stefanski is the coach, you and I believe he is, he's going to prove it by making this offense works over these next, you know, this next month and the next two months. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view, which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money. Right, It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone. All right, So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that GameTime app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account. Redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com. It is GameTime.co. But I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon, using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. This is the crucial time. So, you know, planting the seeds of what we would like to see it evolve into, I think are really important. And that's what the bye week allows us to do. So again, real quick, two more questions. I think we can roll into one just from a preferential standpoint. Uh, I, I think that they're 23rd in running back target percentage uh, right around that anywhere ranging. These numbers are kind of tight. So like 20 to 25, 16th in tight end target percentage and then 10th in wide receiver t- target percentage. Do you think that feels right? Do you think there's one that they need to uptick in to be the most effective version of what Kevin should want this team to be, particularly the tight end stuff? I don't think they have a dynamic running back uh, catching presence, but 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 I, I do think the tight end 16th is sort of interesting, especially considering what we thought Jordan Aikens could provide because, I, I mean, I really thought he was special last year with Houston in open space. So curious about that. And then, tied into that because these are just how you're you're functioning from a process standpoint i've been pretty vocal about motion lack of using it and the and then the advantages it's creating for a lot of teams that are running the best offenses in the nfl it is is that overblown with his offense there are some again i talked earlier about the sirianni steichen tree who just don't use motion but create conflicts in other ways that sort of are just very similar to the to the natural pre-snap pre, uh, confusion they do at post-snap. So, do you think Kevin's offense needs more motion and then are you are you comfortable with what I mentioned earlier the the target distribution so far? Um I suspect that if we take away the Ravens game and a whole lot of garbage time that tight end target percentage drops like a rock. They don't get him the ball enough. I I, I absolutely think David Njoku needs to be involved more. Um, I would like to see more from Aikens. Um, 
so unquestionably, I do disagree a little bit with running backs because if you were to ask me what is Jerome Ford's best asset, it's his ability to catch passes and and be a functioning part receiver. When I watched him with Cincinnati, the University of Cincinnati Bearcats, I constantly felt like they did not throw him the ball enough. And I'm willing to bet a whole lot of money that Jerome Ford was, again, going to be a featured part of the offense. And when I say featured, I don't mean like seven targets. I mean like two or three. But plays that they had set up where they wanted him to get the ball in in the, some of those empty formations because he is a problem. Uh, you saw it against Tennessee. He has legit skills, former high school wide receiver. So I do like the ball idea of getting him the ball more. And I do like the idea of getting more screens, uh, though I'm perfectly content with getting screens to anybody. But I do think Jerome Ford is better at those things right now than he is as a pure runner. To your other question, motion. The only counterpoint to motion is what it does to offensive line and protection in general. Motion is so good for doing so many things in terms of creating numbers, angles, and uh, providing green. Those are the three things every offense wants. Um, they are good at revealing coverages. They are good at sort of forcing potentially defenses to give up the disguise of their looks. Yep, However, good. if you are saying Deshaun Watson is very good at all those things, the one thing motion can create for you is problems with your offensive line and the protection. Because if you start motioning and all of a sudden you're checked to a certain motion or you're checked to a certain, you know, let's, it let's you super basic and let's go, you know, that you roll jet right uh, from the, the left side to the right side. And all of a sudden that means that, that the, uh, the overhang there is now going to come on the blitz. Do the Browns feel comfortable enough to say to, not only Jedrick Wills and Ju- and Dewan Jones, but the backs they have right now to be able to adjust and pick up those guys. So I am looking for them to add more motion. Absolutely. I am curious how much of that is connected to protection. But at the same time, like I do think they can use motion to do some other things to sort of hide some of the, the vulnerabilities of the offensive line and their blocking in general whether it's to run the ball or to RPO, whatever, or, or just get the ball out quick, you know, catch step throw type stuff. I do think there's an opportunity to do that, but I, but I can't help but wonder if they are, they are basically saying to themselves, Deshaun Watson is better at diagnosing a defense than the offensive line is to, or the protection in general is to dealing with what a defense is going to do when they, when, when we motion and their adjustments to those move movements. Yeah, there's certainly a contention from some quarterbacks about the the idea of motion on throws because of the changing of the picture, right? There's there's all of that. So uh, I haven't directly heard Deshaun comment on motion and the change of picture and some of that stuff. But you look around the league and you see some of the most productive early your uh, early portion teams using it. I think you're forced to do some self reflection, look in the mirror, and ask if what you're doing is rivaling it. So as we switch to defense. I really just have one question, which is I think they're going to continue to pressure the passer. I think Lamar Jackson made some hero throws, some hero plays. So I'm not really bent out of shape about the pass coverage, but the run stuff is particularly interesting. And I think you could agree that uh, I broke it down with John Stephenson that the, the, the flat motion and running it right before the snap and the creation of conflict that a fly sweep or jet sweep where it's not snapped post 
quarterback where it's kind of snapped in the in the median spot where he could be a, a receiver of the football gave them some bump fit rules here and i think that's what opened up a lot of uh, you know whether it was front side scheme uh, concepts that were open or the ability to bend the football to the backside because of what that motion does to stretch horizontal uh, you look at the teams coming up you know obviously you have the rams 49ers seahawks teams that are willing to use motion at a high rate and uh, there's no doubt about some teams wanting to add that based on what they saw. Do you see this as a weakness for them because those linebackers are so counted on to be those, you know, they're the fix-it players, right? So they want those guys to be triggering downhill. But if you're kind of causing yourself a slight delay off that motion, you can see how this can be a bit of a bit of a struggle because why nine alignment, generally how Schwartz likes to do it, does create some natural voids if you don't have plug-and-play linebackers or that down safety hitting things pretty quickly so uh, I, I look at that and I, I wonder about some of the things teams with smart coordinators which are looming on the calendar here can do to beat that because it is um, you know you're again I just think you're facing some of the smarter run game design guys in the near future so I watch that that's the only concerning element I've had about the defense but I'm opening it up to you Pete you can respond to what I just said and then um, anything you think about first portion of the year defense and where they're going from here to keep on track. Cause they're still, uh, despite what happened there with Baltimore uh, on top of the league in terms of several important aspects. So I, I, there's still a lot to like, and I see it as a defense that you can win a Super Bowl with. I really do. So those two drives back to back Lamar Jackson had where he was at the peak of his powers. I mean, he was, if you're going to say what is the best Lamar Jackson has to offer, it was those two drives. He was phenomenal. There were, there were indefensible plays. It just, he decided, no, you're not going to do anything to me. Whether it was the throw to Mark Andrews or some of the escapes and and getting the ball out uh, in certain respects, just indefensible. Um, I do worry about freedom of the defensive line in certain respects. And granted, I understand in this game, they were probably a little more buttoned up in responsibilities than they were in the past. Um, But that freedom can be, it can bite you, especially with the way the Ravens were running and giving, you know, their offensive line did a great job in some of those run concepts and their backs did a great job of finding where they were sort of an if or then type situation, making reads and putting themselves in great positions uh, to make plays. Uh, I, I was a little concerned with just how much pinching the Browns were doing in this game in some of their, their run fits, because then all of a sudden, if the, when the Ravens went outside, there was nobody out there or there was one guy diving. And obviously in past games, they've been really good at sort of rallying to the football, but because of the way the Ravens were able to keep them off balance, they were isolated and you had guys, part of that was tackling guys diving. It was desperate, silly diving, and it seemed like on some of, time, some of the time it was, we've got to desperately make this play in the backfield because we want to make we want to make a stop in the backfield. And then there were some where it was like, if I don't get this like this, he's going to run for a whole for a whole bunch of yards. I didn't like either one. I think they just need to rally to the football better. I, I thought it was one of the worst games I've ever seen from Sione Takitaki, and I really like yeah, him, I but agree. he was awful in that game. Yeah. Um, from a and to your point, yes, I I do think that's going to be an interesting game, and I think that was Jim Schwartz's worst game. Um, I I just think the Ravens were very very good uh, coming up in the offense that that attacked the Browns' vulnerabilities, and I still think they would have been they could have been fine. Defense overall, I really happy with this defense, and I am convinced they can get a whole lot better. I have not seen Dalvin Tomlinson take over a game yet. It's not to say he's not doing his job, but there's more in there. 
Uh, I look at guys like him. I look at guys like I, I love what, it, what the Browns are getting from Shelby Harris. Jordan Elliott is awful uh, right now and may just be awful, but they've got opportunities to continue to make plays. Oh, you know, Okoronkwo is not playing as well as he's capable and he's still pretty good. I think he's a guy who's only going to get better with more experience and, and just getting comfortable in this offense. Obviously, Grant Delpit looks like a superstar in Jim Schwartz's defense, which is great. Um, I love what I'm seeing from Greg Newsom in the slot. I believe I had that. Um, I like what I see from Denzel Ward. I have questions about Martin Emerson's consistency. Obviously, he's phenomenal being a big, bo- uh, big-bodied corner, but I worry about him his overconfidence at points. That I think there's there there's there's more to be had there if he's just consistent. And then one Thornhill can play a whole lot better than he's played so far. So I look at this defense and I go, they're very, very good. In fact, up until this point, they were best defense of this century good. Uh, And I still look at this and go, they could get a whole lot better. And obviously the other element they can get a whole lot better. And I know Jim Schwartz is sort of downplaying it. And I get it is turnovers. You you touched on it. Uh, Andrew Barry's touched on it. The Browns are minus seven in turnover differential. That's a really difficult way to play. They've lost a turnover battle in every game. And if they hadn't, like you said, they'd be three and one. I don't panic too much about interceptions so much, but at some point the Browns are going to start causing fumbles. I thought the Ravens game was going to be that game because mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, in a lot of ways is sort of like a vending machine. You get to him. Eventually he's going to put the ball on the ground. It's just what happens, but they're going to start causing more sack fumbles. They're going to start causing more just hits hits on ball carriers that are going to pop the ball loose because they do, when they're on, they rally to the ball carrier and cause a ton of problems. So there's certainly some schematic adjustments I think they have to make. I think Jim Schwartz has to be a little more um, versatile, I think, against some of these teams, and the San Francisco 49ers are going to be a tough challenge. But I like the fact that you – I say all this, and, I, and, and at the same time, I like the fact that Jim Schwartz knows exactly who he is and what he wants to do. And there's an expectation from the Browns defense of we're going to do this. And they're super confident doing it. That's certainly valuable. My hope is that they continue to sort of branch out and get a little bit better against some of these teams, because if they do well against the 49ers uh, and and the Indianapolis Colts may cause them some weird wrinkles and problems. uh, Then at some point they're going to run into a whole bunch of offenses where it's just going to be like, just death for the offense because they have so much talent and they're not going to get better. Like Alex Wright is getting to be much better. He's not good, but he's getting much better. They've got a lot of these young guys who can step up and play well. And, you know, Alex Wright's rookie year was ghastly for all the reasons you'd expect rookie out of UAB played a billion snaps. And it seems like he's actually benefited from all that experience. Like you'd hope. Uh, I think there's a lot to be gained from those guys in the defensive line can continue to get better and better and better. So huge four games coming out of the bye. Um, you know, we can we can wrap this one up pretty quick. It's just your confidence level. You get San Francisco at home, you travel to Indy, you travel to Seattle, you get back home for Arizona. Uh, you, what, what are your vibes about fixing more so the offense? The defense, I think the things are very minor that they can tweak and get right. But uh, your vibe on those four coming out, do you feel good about them? Are you uneasy about them? Just elaborate on that real quick. I'm uneasy in the sense that the Browns have had an awful slate of very tough def- defensive fronts. Um, and the 49ers are, are arguably the best. 
And then the Colts are pretty good. Like the Colts are not bad up front. They've got dudes inside. They can cause problems. So I worry yeah. about that stuff. But I do yeah, think Grover and Buckner can play, man. Those dudes. Yeah, can, I mean, obviously, happen. there's been how many how, how much speculation has there been at the possibility of hey, maybe the Browns should go get Buckner. Yeah. Um, I I I I think Kevin Stefanski will start to turn the corner here. Um, I, I, look, even if they had Nick Chubb healthy and Jack Conklin healthy and everybody else healthy. I thought two and three out of the gate was a possibility. I don't love that it would have been a possibility. I don't love how they, they got to two and two, but I thought two and three was a real possibility and they'd still be in position to make the playoffs. It really comes down to making that pivot when the schedule does get easier, uh, when they do have an opportunity to gain some momentum and start to figure themselves out. The injuries have presented themselves and forced a, a more drastic early change than I think anyone was hoping for. And I think in some ways the Browns have sort of, tried to mitigate it with Deshaun Watson sort of covering for some warts, but you don't have that choice anymore. And I think the Browns are going to make that change. I think the Browns are going to come out better. Uh, They've got too many smart people in that building. And I really like who they've got, obviously in terms of the the offensive line, Um, you know, Dewan Jones is a NFL level pass protector. I can't imagine he's going to stay as bad as he's been as a run blocker. He doesn't have to be great, but I think he's going to get better and that's going to give them an edge. Uh, I think they're just going, I think they're going to start figuring some things out. It may take a couple weeks before we really see, I I should say it should, it may take a couple weeks before the average fan picks up on what is happening, but I think we're going to start seeing some major changes. Excited to see how they come out of it. Pete, your insights always appreciated, man. You know, uh, all the respect in the world over here, really looking forward to see where you land next and keep continuing the fantastic Browns coverage, buddy. We appreciate you. Uh, thanks a lot. All right, guys, we're out of here. Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate Pete stopping by to give his insight. You guys stopping by to listen to the show. Always appreciate that. Keep checking out things over the weekend where we will have more insight into the Browns' first quarter of the season performance, where they go from here. Some of the underlying data will be in there as well. So check that along with uh, some, some NFL-wide coverage you'll have over the weekend as well. $1 for your first month at the OBR. I think you'll find yourself quite pleased with what that gets you and the opportunity to join the best Browns community online. And then on your way out, rate and review the pod, always say it. You guys are doing it. We appreciate that. It's uh it's such a great community we formed here in the OBR film breakdown. And that is in no small part, thanks to you guys spreading the word. So have a great Friday, everybody enjoy the nice weather, wherever you're at, enjoy your family, kick off to the weekend, all the above. I know I'll be doing the same. So thanks again for being here and go Browns. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.